You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Mission Impossible, Part 5. Enjoy. God, you're awesome. Father, we love you this morning. We bless you. We worship you. You are holy. And we thank you for changing us today. Thank you for making whole today. Thank you for revealing more of Christ to us today. That when we walk out of this place, we're going to be stronger in you and closer to you than we've ever been before. And we thank you for revelation of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Judah, can you hit me up with my Mission Impossible jams, man? Uh, yeah. All right. Awesome. What's that? Yeah, it's a good idea. Thank you. All right, so we are in a series now entitled Mission Impossible. And we want you to know at Highway Church that God has done the impossible for you. He did it. He did what couldn't be done. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do. No power in the law. Love is where the power is. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. How did he do it? By sending his own son. That's love right there. There's no law in God sending his son. It's love right? Love is where the power is. Love power, baby. All right. So what was the law powerless to do anyway? What was the law powerless to do? The law couldn't make you whole. Couldn't do it. Ten commandments can't make anyone whole. Ten commandments can't make you new. The law can't set you free. That's why God sent his son. God did it through his son. God made you whole through his son. You may not realize it yet, but he did. God sent his son to make you whole. Last week we said through faith in Christ, we went from becoming sinners to being saints. We're holy people now. And holy, H-O-L-Y, comes from the word W-H-O-L-E. There's a religious concept of holiness that really causes a lot of people to miss what it is. Holy is about being whole. Being whole. So Jesus Christ makes you whole. Put up Acts 9.34. This is what, if you look at Acts, man, the disciples went around preaching this. And this is what Peter said to Anias in Acts chapter 9. He said, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Wow. See, through Christ, God fixes broken people. God fixes broken things. And all of us, to one degree or another, have been broken. All of us, we're living in a broken world, aren't we? Right? And all of us have been broken to one degree or another. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible for you to be whole? Well, you say, well, I don't know, I'm pretty broken. Well, the possibility of you being whole as a teenager or as an adult or as a, as a child does not depend on how broken you are. It depends on what and who you believe. So can you be whole? 
I mean, man will diagnose you and tell you you're going to have to live with a condition that you have. And they just try and, you know, give you something so you can just endure it, you know. But I want you to know that you can be whole Hallelujah. now. Hallelujah. That Jesus Christ wants to make you whole today. And you know, he's the only one that can do it. Wholeness can only come through Christ, through a relationship with him. So it doesn't depend on how broken you are. It depends on who and what you believe. Let's talk about being whole on Mission Impossible. Because some people have just come to the conclusion, I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. They don't think it's possible to be whole because of what man has told them. Man has said, you know, this is just something you're going to have to live with. It's a condition. You know, we don't have any answer for it. You can take this. We can try and medicate it so you can get through each day. But that's not what Jesus says. Right? Jesus said all things are possible yes. to him who believes. Yes. Hallelujah. So being whole, well, what is whole anyway? Whole is the sum of all the parts, right? It's all the parts coming together and being what they are made to be. And as far as you're concerned, you know there's three parts to you, right? Spirit, soul, and body. The world doesn't understand that. There's an old song. I remember when I was, when I was playing jazz music. It's called Body and Soul. Right. Uh, Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald used to sing it. And the words of that song are basically, I love you with all that I am. You know, I'm, I'm giving my whole self to you, body and soul. That's not your whole self. That's two-thirds of you. Your spirit, soul, and body. But the world doesn't quite understand that. What do you mean spirit, soul, and body? What's the difference? Let's look in the Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We want to be whole. God wants, it's God's will for you to be whole. Spirit, soul, and body. When you hear that word holy, I want you to think of being whole. All right? Being whole. Spirit, soul, and body. Have you ever driven a vehicle with three wheel, wheels and the fourth one's flat? You can't go very far, can you? Right? God wants you to be whole so you can, you can live life, the abundant life that he made you to live. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, And the very God of peace, let's de-religify that word peace. All right? In the Greek, it's Irene. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But it's the, Hebrew, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew shalom. It means wholeness. When you start studying the scriptures, you see God's all about wholeness. And the God of wholeness, well-being, prosperity, that's what that word means. And the very God of wholeness, sanctify you, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole, wow, it's God about wholeness, huh? W-H-O-L-E. Your whole spirit and soul and body. Be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. What? Make you whole and keep you whole. That's God's agenda. To make you whole and keep you whole. And boy, is he faithful to do it if you'll let him. If you'll grab a hold of his promises and trust him. Because, you know, you can't trust in the promises of man and the promises of God at the same time. Because the promises of man are very short-sighted and, 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 and very natural. 
But the promises of God are limitless and supernatural. And we need the supernatural promises of God to be whole. Hallelujah. I remember talking with a young man. Uh, He was probably in his senior year, and he was playing uh, basketball, and he had this knee problem. And he was a believer, and I thought, well, this young man, is he's just determined he's going to live with that knee problem the rest of his life. And I was saying to him, you don't have to live with that. Start speaking to your knee. Tell your knee to be whole. Tell your knee to function perfectly. Speak to it every day. You don't have to live like that. So spirit, soul, and body. Well, the word spirit, you know the New Testament's written in Greek, right? So we've got three different English words there, spirit and soul and body. So spirit and soul aren't the same. We have three different Greek words there. The word for spirit, and this is my English pronunciation of it. I don't know how to pronounce Greek. But the the Greek word is pneuma for spirit. The word for soul is psyche. Right? We know that word, psychology, right? Psyche. And the word for body is soma. So God wants your spirit, soul, and body, your pneuma, your psyche, and your soma to be whole. I've heard it said this way, and I think it's great, that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. It's a good way to think of yourself. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you're living in a body. Your spirit is who you are. You are a spirit, okay? Your soul, when you study this word out in the scriptures, your soul consists of your mind, your intellect, your will, and your emotions. That's the soul part of you. Your soul is not your spirit, and your spirit's not your soul, although they are connected, and you can't separate the two, okay? And then your body is the material, physical part of you. It's this structure we're in that enables us to function in the, in the material realm that we're living in. That's why demons want to possess people so they can function in this material realm. That's why the demons wanted to go into pigs when Jesus cast them out. They, they want to be in a physical body so that they can do things in this realm more than they can do as just spirits, Okay? Hallelujah. So let's talk about the first part of you, your spirit. This is where the power and the life is, and this is the most misunderstood dimension of life, all right? And certain, certain people will make you think it's uneducated to talk like this, to talk about spirits and demons, that that was for primitive people, and, and that we we're more sophisticated now, and that really doesn't exist, that that's science fiction or that's... Um, mythology or religion, but the spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. And the Bible teaches us that everything in this physical realm came from the realm of the spirit. You can't get a better education than studying the scriptures. All right, so we want to be experts in the realm of the spirit because that's where the power is. That's where the life is. There are people who are being tormented by spirits of darkness and they're taking medication for it. when they could be rebuking those things in the name of Jesus and being free from it, right? There are spirits that are very real and are tormenting people, and they don't even know they're there, all right? But that's not us. We're, we're, we're sharp 
We're, we're new creations. We hear God's voice. We recognize what's going on spiritually. So this word spirit, pneuma, it literally means the wind or the breath of. The wind or the breath of, your spirit. It, it's the immaterial. Not inferior, not trivial, immaterial. It's the non-physical, the invisible part of you, all right? It, the Bible refers to it as the inner or the inward man, your heart, your spirit. And it's like the wind in that the wind is immaterial. You can't touch the wind. It's invisible, but man, is it powerful. I remember uh, when I was traveling Overseas, I was actually in the Azores, wherever Jessica's at. I was in the Azores, and I wanted to go out jogging in the Azores during the day. And it was, I think it was in August or something. But man, the wind was so strong, it was hitting, pushing my legs together. I was almost knocking me over. It was just a very windy day out in the Atlantic. The wind is very strong. All right, so let's take a look at his spirit. This spirit, the, the invisible part of you, is the part of you that perceives things at a very deep level. And the world really doesn't really know how to, how to talk about this, so they'll call it their conscience. Or have you ever heard someone say, I had a gut feeling? Or I just, I just felt something. I, I just had an had a, uh, intuition. What they're not realizing is that's their spirit trying to tell them something. Have you ever had a gut feeling that you should do something and you didn't do it and you regretted it later. That was your spirit trying to tell you something. But what's happened is people have gotten so callous to their spirit, they've lived so much with their intellect, they, can't, they, they barely hear their spirit. Christ came to change that, all right? Through faith in Christ, that changes. You'll become very acute to your spirit, all right? Now, it's funny. In the Bible, they, they'll, sometimes they'll say your spirit. Sometimes they'll say your heart. In the Hebrew, they'll say your kidneys. <laughs> They're talking about your spirit. It's not your physical heart we're talking about. The Bible talks a lot about your spirit, but it'll say it metaphorically. It's not talking about your kidneys literally. It's talking about that inner part of you. And you know, you all, we all know, we've all felt it at some point in our lives. But that's your spirit trying to speak to you and guide you. We were made to live by our spirits. That's how we were made to live. But that changed when sin entered the human race. When man fell, things got flipped. Instead of living by his spirit, he began living by his body and his intellect. That's the opposite of the way we're to live, okay? We see Jesus operating in this. We see Jesus operating by his spirit. And we see his disciples doing it. And we do that now because we're his disciples, right? In fact, John chapter 11, we're not going to go there, but you can look at it later. John chapter 11, one example of many of Jesus operating by his spirit. He's not in Judea, but Lazarus and Martha and Mary are there, and Lazarus is sick. So Martha and Mary send friends to Jesus who's not there to tell him that Lazarus is sick so Jesus can come to Judea and heal him. By the time these messengers get to Jesus, he's already dead. You learn that from studying. He, the sickness has already uh, taken its effect on him. So they come to Jesus who's not physically even there. 
and they tell him that Lazarus is sick. And what he says right away, it's like in verse 4, 5, 6, somewhere in there, he says, this sickness is not unto death. How does he know that? No stethoscope, no CAT scan, no MRI. He wasn't there. His spirit. Your spirit will reveal things to you that, that, that are supernatural. You don't have to be in the same geographic location. It will sh- you'll, you'll see things in here. Jesus, by his spirit, knew what was going on in another geographical location. And then later on, uh, he says, just uh, like in verses 11 and following, he says to them, Lazarus is dead. But he just said that this sickness will not end in death. Why does he say that? Because his father raises the dead, right? He's, he's the God who gives life to the dead, right? And so he knew by his spirit what was going to be happening in just a few days. And then he goes back to Judea. He stayed where he was two days. Even after they told him Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two days. He didn't go, oh, no, you'll panic when you operate by your intellect. You'll panic when you operate by your body, when news comes that appears to be bad news. But if you'll listen to your spirit, there's a peace there in the midst of what looks like a dead-end situation. We're made to operate in here. So Jesus didn't panic. He stayed where he was two days. He didn't call 911. He stayed where he was. He listened to his father. And when the Holy Spirit led him, he went back to Judea. But by that time, Lazarus was in the grave for four days. No panic here. Because we serve the God who gives life to the dead. And he raised him from the dead. And that same life is in us right now. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at another example of this. Uh, Let's go to Acts chapter 27. Let's put that up on the screen. So we see Jesus operating by his spirit. And as a result of that, he overcame the world. They couldn't fool him. People would try and catch him in his words. They'd show him, you know, some Roman currency with a picture of Caesar on it. And they say, should we pay our taxes to Caesar or not? They're trying to, you know, get the Romans upset at him for not paying taxes. And, and what's he do? He listens to his spirit. He says, well, well, whose picture's on it? He says, Caesar, then give to Caesar what's Caesar. Give to God what's God. Oh, right? When you listen to your spirit, you'll have wisdom to answer those who criticize you. All right? It's wisdom from in here. We want this wisdom. This wisdom is very short-sighted. In here is where the life is. Now, look at this. Here's Paul who's uh, in the book of Acts, and man, he is, he is letting people know what Christ has done. He's preaching the gospel, and he's being persecuted for it, and he's about to get on a ship. And look what he says. He's on a ship. Now, Paul wasn't a sailor. He was a tent maker. He was a Pharisee and a tent maker. Didn't know how to sail. But they're about to get on this ship, and look what he says to him in Acts 27.10. He says, sirs, I perceive. Whenever you see that word perceive in the Scriptures, or it seems, like the disciples will say when they had doctrinal questions, there was a big deal. It was a big deal, this, the gospel of grace was a huge deal in Acts because they were so used to the old covenant. And they believed people still needed to be circumcised and do all the old covenant things, but that wasn't true. It was simple. We were made righteous through faith in Christ. So even when they had doctrinal issues, you'll see the disciples say, it seemed to us not to, that we should not lay any weights upon them. Right? So when they say it seemed or I perceived, they're talking about their spirit. 
Right? This is where our seamer is, our perceiver's in here. Sirs, or, or, or center, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. They haven't even set out to sea yet. They're boarding the ship. There's probably a clear day. He's not a sailor. He has very little experience on the sea. And he's telling the, the owner of the ship, the crew of the ship, that this voyage is going to end in destruction. How did he know that? Spirit, right? The spirit. He had revelation in here of what was going to happen. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And if you'll read this whole story, you'll find out it happened like Paul said it would. But because Paul was on board, the ship was destroyed, but their lives were spared. All right, so we want to operate by our spirit in this world. There's crazy things going on in the world. It doesn't make us afraid. Why? Because we live in Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ. In God, we dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We don't panic when something crazy happens in the world, if a shooting takes place. We don't panic. If someone pulls a gun on me, it's not going off. I'll tell you right now, and they're going to have an opportunity to repent and know Christ. But that bullet's not penetrating my body. Why? Because I have supernatural protection. And I speak that over my life regularly. So I can, I can be in the midst of a very, what would be considered a dangerous situation, but God is with me. Who's going to overcome that? What bullet can penetrate his protection? There are all kinds of testimonies of supernatural protection in the midst of wars where grenades and missiles are going off and, and supernatural protection all throughout the scriptures. And it's yours. Grab a hold of it. Don't let fear cause you to panic. So you know what I'll do? I'll imagine myself in difficult situations. I prepare my heart for situations. I'll imagine. You know, what, what would happen if, if, you know, if eight guys surrounded me with pistols or something, you know? And I imagine myself doing the things Jesus did and greater things than these. I imagine the supernatural power of God. Imagine the life of God going before you. Imagine God, a shield all around you. Begin to speak Psalm 91 with your mouth and believe it with your heart. Man, parents, teach your children to rely on God for his protection. The bully, the answering to bullying, I just, the answer to bullying is you knock the bully out. That's the answer to bullying. You know, you do, you do a David, right? That's what David did to the bully. He took his head off. We're not wimpy people. We're strong. We're not fearful people. We're bold. Love is strong and bold. Love is not afraid. Wow. All right, so this is your spirit now. See, your spirit is where the life is. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. There's a great example of this. We want to be whole. Right? We want to be whole. We want to live life by our spirits. It's a key to wholeness. So here's a great example. Luke chapter 8, a bunch of verses, 41 through 56. But it's a great example of Jesus wanting to make you whole and, and the spirit being the, the center of who we are. So in verse 41, Jairus, Jairus, or Jairus the ruler of the synagogue, falls down at Jesus' feet. And he beseeches him that he would come to his house. In verse 42 because he has one daughter. She's 12 years of age, and she's dying. And it says at the end of verse 42 that as Jesus went, the people thronged him. 
We don't know how many people were there. Sometimes the Bible gives us numbers, but probably thousands of people thronging him. And, J- and Jairus wants Jesus to get to his house as soon as possible. His only daughter is dying. So you can imagine what he felt like. And in the midst of this throng of people, this urgent situation, this 911 situation, Jesus is calm. And he's, and he's walking forward. He's being led by his spirit. And a woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, spent all her living upon physicians and neither could be healed of any. She comes behind Jesus. She touches the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood is, is staunched. And if you look at the other accounts of this, I think it's either Mark or Matthew said, she, said which she kept saying to herself, if I but touch his garment, I'll be whole. See, it's the mouth that activates the promises of God. You speak them with your mouth, you believe them in your heart. Okay, so she touches him, and she's healed, and Jesus said, who touched me? Now, this is a spiritual. He realized something had just happened by his spirit. When all denied, Peter and all the disciples were with him, said, Master, there's a, a, you know, there's a bunch of people around you, and they're pushing up against you, and you're asking, who touched me? What, what are you talking about? Jesus said to them, for I perceive, verse 46. There it is again. See, Paul said, for I perceive. Jesus said, I perceive. In other words, in his spirit, he knew something just happened supernaturally. It wasn't anything with his physical body or his intellect. I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw uh, that it was not hid, she came to him trembling, and, and, and she revealed how she touched him and how she was healed immediately, verse 48. And he said unto her daughter, be of good comfort. Here's the heart of God. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, wholeness. While he yet spake, there come from one of the uh, there come from blah, 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 there come one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, "Your daughter is dead." Like Lazarus' situation, right? Trouble not the master. Well, there it is. Yeah, there's the end. Well, let's see. But when Jesus heard this, so Jesus is hearing the same news that Jairus is hearing, but Jesus knows some things that Jairus doesn't know yet. Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, "Fear not." Believe only, and she shall be made whole. Boy, God's about wholeness, isn't he? She shall be made whole. Okay. So they come to the house, verse 51. Jesus lets no one go in except Peter, James, and John. Those were his top three, right, the closest to Jesus. And all wept and bewailed, but he said, weep not, she's not dead, but, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Jesus puts them all out. He takes the little girl by her hand, and he says to her, maid, arise. And look at verse 55, We're talking about the three parts of who we are. And her spirit came again. What had happened? Her spirit left her body. When your spirit leaves your body, your body's dead. See, when God made Adam, he made his body out of the earth, but there was no life in him. He had to breathe into him. He had to give him his spirit before his body could be animated. It's your spirit that gives life to your body. Her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat, and her parents were astonished. Why? They didn't understand spirit, soul, and body. They didn't understand who Jesus was. All right? But now we're on the other side of this. We've got the Scriptures. We study the Scriptures. We understand these things now. We operate in them, right? We're experts in these things. 
Say that. I'm an expert, I'm an expert. In, the, in, the word, in the Word, in the Spirit, in, the spirit. in, Jesus. in Jesus. Amen. I'm His disciple. Amen. So isn't that cool? It says her spirit came again. So you can kind of see that with your, your, your imagination, a little girl, dead body there, and her spirit comes again, and her life, she gets back up. See? That's what happens. Spirit, soul, and body. Let's look at one more example of this. Actually, let's do this, time-wise. We'll, we'll move forward. Let's see. Now let's go to John 6. Okay, John chapter 6. Let's check this out. Oh, this is good. This is really, really good. So the spirit is the part of life we want to really know. This is where, this where the power is, the, the, the raising from the dead power is, the joy unspeakable power. This is where it's at. And Jesus tells us this in John chapter 6. And boy, has this been misunderstood in so many places. John chapter 6, verse 47. We're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures here all the way through verse 64. So Jesus is talking. Now, Jesus is, is obviously the master of this, right? He, he operates in this. He came from heaven, right? He, he's, 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 he's God in the flesh. And he says in verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has nonstop life. That's what eternal means. He's not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about right now. He's saying, he who believes in me has this supernatural life inside of them that this world can't overcome. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. All right, now hold on. I'm going to ask you a really serious question. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Was he a loaf of bread? No. Seriously. Was he a loaf of bread talking? Can you imagine that as loaf of bread and surrounded by people saying, I am the bread of life. No, he's not a loaf of bread. Why is it important to know Jesus is not a loaf of bread? Because religion will rob you of the power, the spiritual power. Jesus is speaking metaphorically. He, we're going to keep reading. You're going to see why this is so important when we read the next scriptures because people get the disciples start walking away from Jesus because he's speaking metaphorically. He's comparing his, like, what, bread and water, the basic sustenance of life. He's saying, I am what your body needs to live. I'm the bread of life, right? You need to eat me. Let's keep reading. Your fathers ate manna in the, de in the wilderness, and they died. So he's comparing himself with manna, right? Manna was right from heaven. He's right from heaven. But manna was old covenant, and all it did was sustain them. It didn't heal them, didn't set them free. It didn't make them new right? They died. This is the bread, and he's talking about himself again now. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He's a, he, he's a man standing before them. He's God in the flesh. He's not a loaf of bread. I want you to get this. You're going to see why it's important. I am the living bread. This is a metaphor that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for for the life of the world is my flesh. Uh-oh. Now, hold on. He's still speaking metaphorically here. Stay with me. The Jews, therefore, began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, religion, when God's speaking metaphorically, religion takes him literally. And when God's speaking literally, religion makes a metaphor out of it, gets it backwards. And you're going to see that happening right here. All right? Jesus was not promoting cannibalism, right? He didn't want them to chew on his forearm. 
okay? That's not what he's talking about. When we eat bread, what happens to it? It breaks down in our mouths, and we digest it, and it becomes a part of us. The nutrients in that bread are absorbed into our body. Jesus said, I want you to eat me. What does he mean? I want you to put your faith in me and absorb who I am. I want your spirit to become one with my spirit, just like bread becomes one with your body when you eat it. Are you following me? You see what he's talking about? He's speaking about the spiritual reality of becoming one with him. He's not talking about a loaf of bread, but they're totally missing it. All right? So verse 53, Jesus says, I'm truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's not endorsing vampires here. He's speaking metaphorically about a spiritual reality. There are churches that teach, literally, you have to eat the literal flesh and drink the literal blood of Jesus. That's not what he's teaching. And he's going to say it in just a little bit. Stay with me. All right, he's going to explain himself. Okay, um, verse 55, for my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Verse 57, and the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So he who eats me he also shall live because of me. All right, I'm going to move along for time's sake. So this is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forevermore. All right, so verse 59, he said these things in the synagogue, verse 60. Uh, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? (laughs) Sure, it'd be crazy if you take them literally, right? Anyone would know that. But you understand, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. He had the 12, and of those were the three, James, Peter, and John. Then he had the 70, and then he had many more than that. All right? So they start, many of them start walking away from him now. They say, this is too much for us. This guy's lost it. Right? Verse 61, Jesus is conscious that his disciples grumble. He says, he says to, the, to the ones who are close to him, does this cause you to stumble? He said, what if you should behold the Son of Man ascending from where he was before? Okay, here's the explanation of what he just said. And those who left, who walked away from him, missed it. Verse 63, he's about to tell them what he really meant because they weren't getting it. It is the what? Spirit. Spirit that gives life. He was talking about a spiritual reality in the spirit realm, your spirit. He's he's ministering to our spirits. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Chewing on my elbow is not going to set you free. Right? This this sounds silly, but this is what people believe. Right? It's the spirit that gives life, not my elbow. The words that I speak unto you are spirit. Spirit. And our life. John 4.24, Jesus said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The Young's literal translation of verse 63 says, the spirit it is that is giving life. It sounds like Yoda a little bit. The spirit it is that gives life. The flesh does not profit anything. 
The sayings that I speak to you are what? Spirit. And they are life. Okay now. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So in order to live an overcoming life, we need your words. Because they're the food. Like bread is food for our body. Your words are food for our spirit. That's what he's talking about. My words are the food you need to eat in your daily life. He's the living word, right? Makes sense now. Hallelujah. Okay. I want to make sure we get through all this here. Yeah. And you know what? It reminds me what Jesus said in John 63. It's the spirit that gives life. It reminds me of one of my favorite passages back in Proverbs chapter 4. Eden, we can pull that one up. It says, my son, give attention to my words. What did Jesus say? My words are spirit and are life. Not physical, not material, but more powerful than that. They're spirit. So, so pay attention to them. Next verse. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Talking about your spirit. So put my spirit words in your spirit. You see that? Next verse. Why? For they are life. Sounds like Jesus, John 6, 63. They are life to those who find them. Oh, what? And health to all their material, physical body. Wow. The answer to physical health is not in the physical realm. It's in the realm of the spirit. Your physical body needs the life of God's spirit words to be whole. They are life to those who find them and health. So spirit words are life to your physical body. Wow. Next verse. Above all else, anything you think of is not above this, according to Jesus. Above everything else, includes the patriots, love the pats, but the word's more important, right? Above all else, guard you. They're going to win by like 50 points today anyway. Above all else, we'll edit that out of the podcast. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the spirit. What's he talking about? This, this center of our cardiovascular system? Your spirit. Hebrew, I think there's kidneys, okay? In other words, from, it's, it's again a metaphor talking about the center of you. So from your spirit flow the springs of life, Okay? We're spending a lot of time on the spirit because this is where the life is. It's the part of you that perceives things at a deeper level that your intellect will not, cannot grasp right away, okay? And it's, it perceives things. You don't have to be in the same geographical area. And it's the part of you that where life comes from, all right? Hallelujah. All right. It's the part of you that God speaks to. And many people are trying to hear God with their physical ears. And it doesn't work because God's spirit. And he'll speak to hear, not hear. And there are people who have been misled because they were looking for God in the physical. And they saw a statue bleeding and they thought it was God. God, God speaks to your spirit because your spirit is infinitely more reliable than these or these or these are. These can mislead you. Many times in my life, I, someone said something to me, and I didn't hear what they said. Okay? The physical realm will mislead you, but God speaks to you through your spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. There it is. God is spirit. 
and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you want to hear God here, okay? Here is where God speaks. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Let's see. We're almost there. Two more scriptures after this. Well, this is great. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. This is the part of you God speaks to. It says to be carnally minded. Carnal, carny is meat, right? Flesh. To have your mind on the flesh is death. Whoa. That's why man is having such a hard time overcoming disease because they're studying the flesh to beat the flesh. The answer to disease is not in the physical realm. You find a cure for one, another one's out there, right? The diseases we don't even know about, the cure for them is in Christ. The overcoming life power is in the spirit realm. All right. Uh, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The NIV says it this way. The mind controlled by the spirit, or the mind controlled by the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So you're, you, you want your intellect, your emotions to be controlled by your spirit, not by your body. If, it's contr- if your emotions are controlled by your body, you're going to be in bondage. You'll have big up days, big down days, you know, confusion, anxiety. You want your spirit to be in control. That's where the power is, the life power. All right, verse 7. Because the mindset in the flesh is hostile toward God, or the mind controlled by the flesh, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, it is not even able to do so. Uh, and those who are in the flesh or controlled by the flesh can't please God. They've been bondage. However, you are not, verse 9, controlled by the flesh. You're controlled by the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Say that. I am controlled by the Spirit. I'm not in the flesh. I'm not not controlled by my flesh. I walk in the spirit, spirit, not in the flesh. flesh. You understand what we mean by that? In other words, our our spirit controls us, not our flesh. And that's where the power is, all right? Okay, we've got to wind this up. We can always pick up next week here. This is going to be good. We haven't gotten to the soul yet, but I want to spend time on your spirit. Uh, What was the one verse here? Yeah, here we go. We'll finish this up here. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and He does. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit made His home in you, right? Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Look at verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies, just like Proverbs 4, 22 and 23, right? Your, the life for your mortal bodies comes from your spirit, right? To your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Oh, this is so good. So we're talking about being whole. We're going to have to pick up here next week, all right? And we're going we're gonna to uh, get into more of the soul, the psyche, and then we're going to get into to Jesus and his priority on you being whole. Oh, it's good. He wants your soul to be sound, your body to be sound, and your spirit to be sound. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we've had here together as your sons and your daughters, worshiping you and and being quickened by your spirit. And right now, we just take a moment to remind ourselves 
that you are with us, that you are living in us. And we ask you to help us, Father, walk in the Spirit, to not let our intellect or emotions rule us, to not let our physical body control us, but to let our spirit reign in us through you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.